Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2023. I'm Katie Patrick, joined by David Fiorazzo. Happy who, New Year. I, I brought him into the new year. I was going to leave him back there in 2022, but I said, you know what? Let's bring David back. I'm riding her coattails. I don't even see my tail back there. <laughs> riding pretty hard. There I go. All right, David, did you have a good break? How was it? Yes, it was nice. It yeah. was good. It's always good to have a break, especially that year, the end of year beginning of a new one it's a psychological there is something to it reset yeah. you know what i mean where you can refocus on priorities well hey good thing to do it's a good thing to do and we at least have one governor out there in the world focusing on some good priorities so we have america's governor ron DeSantis. yes he's been all in on restoring great education in the sunshine state and now he's turning his focus to colleges by demanding to see the costs public universities are paying to promote <clears throat> diversity equity and inclusion of course instead of you know what they should be doing with real education david dei i tell you or die as I, I like to say so the headline let's look at the headline desantis puts woke colleges on notice tells them to hand over diversity receipts oh sounds like he would real would like to see some accountability <gasps> accountability yes. oh that's not what we talk we about we need to start <laughs> using that word in america again accountability make accountability great again there we go let's do it do we so, know how to spell accountability though that's the issue okay so the memo was addressed to florida education commissioner manny diaz and florida state university system chancellor ray rodriguez which was sent december 28 posted to social media on Wednesday by DeSantis Press Secretary Brian Griffin. I uh, told the officials to gather data on diversity initiatives in the higher education system as the Florida legislature begins to consider budget proposals. So um, it's important that we have, I'm just reading from the article, a full understanding of the operational expenses of state institutions, the memo said. Let me stop right there for, for a second. Um, what if every state did this? Whoa, whoa, what if every whoa. state went to the uni universities and said, let's have some accountability on some of the money you're, you're putting into these crazy causes? It's, Can you imagine? It, it's the first story of 2023, David, and oh, you are oh, already- I'm already pipe dreaming. Wow, you, are, right. you have high hopes for this 2023. We could call it 2023, the year of accountability. Okay. You can write like a song it. about it. Imagine there's accountability. <laughs> All right, never mind. Okay, so this letter, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> this is our first show back. Give us a break. <laughs> this letter is a request for information from the Department of Education and State University System regarding the expenditure of state resources on programs and initiatives related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory within our state colleges and universities. So, Katie, this is something that uh, more people are saying, go governor, go governor. Go governor. When things like this, and um, that's what, one, one of the many things people like about DeSantis, whether, I mean, even some Democrats are saying, yeah, I guess we should have maybe a little accountability. And, and that's uh, precisely the point. How can you, as a constituent within the state or right. just as a citizen of this country, not be like, yeah, within my own state, I. 
think it would be good if we followed the money and knew what was happening at the university level because they're receiving funding from me and you, the taxpayer. And this should be happening, obviously, with our public school system as well. And there are parents who hopefully... Let's not go that far. Let's not go to the K-12 system. (laughs) But there are parents hopefully waking up. I think 2022... And this is my prediction here as we move forward. 2022, parents started to pay attention. 2023, they are going to at least be more, uh, they're going to push forward more with the higher-ups, not just speaking out in front of the school board, right. but they are going to put a lot more pressure on those who make the actual decisions, like a Ron DeSantis. Ron, he, he's taken actual initiative mm-hmm. in holding these universities accountable. He didn't need the parents to do that. He's actually what we would call a leader. So he <laughs> Wait a actually, yes, Wait a I know, let's, let's, I understand. What, is the, what does that word mean again? Leader, lead. So we also leader. have a, a video on this too, don't we? Oh, yes. So let's watch that. Yeah. We rank number one in education freedom, and we rank number one in parental involvement in education. Florida also ranks number one in public higher education. This is a record we can all be proud of. Now, that's awesome for Florida, and lucky (laughs) you if you live in Florida. But the sad truth is it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that easy for them to get number one, but because so everyone is so bad, yeah. they get to be number one in everything, if that makes sense. Because it, all it takes is for one man, like Ron DeSantis, to open his eyes and be like, hey, legislature, hey, local school boards, hey, universities, hey, all of it, do your job. Yeah. And he's actually putting a little pressure on them. Yeah, I think- um, That's all it takes. Unfortunately, many states are going to start demanding they grade on a curve Mm, yes. Florida's number one. So we're going <laughs> to... Where's our award? Where's our award? Where's now, our come per- on. We where's participated. Our, where's our participation trophy? We want our participation. Anyway, anyway, for each initiative, university administrators were told to include a brief description of the program. Oh, now they they actually have to describe what the heck they're doing. But here's, here's the thing. Before you start listing off yeah. all of them, my point that I want everyone to listen to is a brief description of the program or activity. So you said it in a way that they may have not heard, but it's just, it's a brief description. Like it should be so like, yeah, that's easy to do. Why aren't we already doing it? Okay, so continue on. All right, also the number of staff positions associated with the program, stop right there. Why do they, Why would they have to do that? Because they just hire all these different you know, people, let's be involved, let's just grow this. 74 people Let's balloon this. this. What, 74 people? The, these you... positions, oh gosh, with these programs. Um, next, the total funding used to support the program and the portion of the funding that came from taxpayer dollars. Yes, Ooh, thank ouch. you to a shout out to Common Sense, Katie. I, uh, and that's that's one that that's the one that people are like, ooh, I don't want to put that in there. But either way, let's let's just listen again. What what do we have to say about education in Florida? <laughs> we must ensure school systems are responsive to parents and to students, not partisan interest groups. And we must ensure that our institutions of higher learning are focused on academic excellence and the pursuit of truth, not the imposition of trendy ideologies. Florida must always be a great place to raise a family. We will enact more family-friendly policies to make it easier to raise children, and we will defend our children against those who seek to rob them of their innocence. 
Yes, yep. yes, kudos, yep. Governor. Governor. Um, reports have noted the inflow of capital into the diversity sector, which garnered attention following the death of George Floyd in the summer of 2020 and the uh, Marxist-driven Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network. But universities in Michigan, Maryland, Virginia, Illinois, employed diversity officials who pocketed salaries ranging from, are you ready? I hope you're sitting down, $329,000 to $430,000. That's an <gasps> annual salary. According to a report from Fox News, while the analysis from the Heritage Foundation found that colleges hire an average of three diversity staffers for every 100 tenured faculty even a, th a third wow. of that even even two-thirds or, or one quarter of that i can't do math right now but i would <laughs> i would i would take any of that i will be one of your three diversity officers and just come in and ruin the whole thing for everyone because i would actually go back to common sense because this is completely unnecessary that Michigan, Maryland, Virginia, and Illinois. Hmm, interesting that those states are the ones doing this. Wait a minute. What's, what's, what's the common theme here? Blue states. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Woke, woke, woke. All right, speaking of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, job applicants are now being advised to remove any colleges they attend from their resumes as it may draw bias from hiring committees who feel certain applicants may not be woke enough. We're talking about that next. For decades, decades, we've been told, go to college, you put that college then on your resume, and you get a job. And you get a job because you said on that resume that you went to college. And you have a degree. And you have a degree. But no, 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 <laughs> not anymore, my friends, because the New York Post recently stated that companies such as HRNA advisors are saying to not include your college on your resume in the name of equity. It's going to be <laughs> what was the 2023 <laughs> equity. Equity. <laughs> Who knows? Now, a LinkedIn <laughs> posting, you know what LinkedIn, people use it as like a networking. Yeah. Headhunters use it to find a lot of like sales and marketing type folk. Um, well, a LinkedIn posting by the Tribeca-based real estate consultancy asked applicants for the $121,668 to, uh, to $138,432 a year position. So you're making, let's just say 130K. For the, this position for HRNA advisors, it states in the posting to remove all undergraduate and graduate school name references from their resumes and to only cite the degree itself. So you would be like, I got a degree, my degree is marketing. You don't say where that marketing degree came from. Maybe you just made it up because apparently they don't care a whole lot. Now, uh, a quick like look through the rest of the HRNA postings because it's not just that director position that they had posted. It confirmed that this policy extends company-wide as part of their ongoing work to build a hiring system that is free from bias and based on candidate merit and performance. And you may be saying to yourself, amazing, we're actually gonna hire people based on their merit and their performance. And I would say, hey, I am in agreement with that. 
Except that's not really what, what they mean. That's not what they mean at all. Because these days you have to think about how these degrees came to be, right? <laughs> Usually you get in college, even, even like the elites now, Harvard, the Stanfords of the world, they don't require SATs. The American Bar Association is dropping the LSATs, right? That's the, like, showing that you actually have some, something going on between those ears, <laughs> you know, that you should maybe then study law and practice law and help others out. Uh, and all of what they're doing at the university level is in the name of, you know, racial equity. And so what's happening with this, uh, this company, with this position, is what they really mean to say is we're doing this in the name of equity. Not, not merit, not performance, equity. Woke, wokeness. Um, I have a question, though. I, I'm kind of having a hard time understanding why they would not want certain colleges to be on a resume because <coughs> well i well aside from that i'm thinking okay i'm thinking more like a, a level-headed sane common sense thinker i yes. realize that yes. mm -hmm. but some people like i think i saw something in the article about someone who went to a college he could barely afford because he knew that that would look good on his resume. Not necessarily the degree, mm -hmm. but the college that he went to. Yeah. A lot of people do that. Oh, I mean, I, it's, I don't necessarily think that's a great idea. <laughs> a lot of people do do that. Or what, go into debt. What, <laughs> let's not even go down that rabbit uh -oh, hole, because uh -oh. we'll go down the debt rabbit hole. But anyway, All right. what I want to point out about this is the author of this article that the New York Post ran, his name is David Christopher Kaufman. And he said, I myself attended universities, Brandeis, NYU, that were far above my family's affordability level. That's what you're talking about. Right, right, right. Precisely because I knew they were investments in my long-term earning potential, as well as a way to keep me on the straight and narrow in high school. Sure, as with many Americans, particularly African-Americans like myself, I took on student debt, but the quest for academic success not only helped me avoid most teenage troubles, it also helped me secure a career with good pay and a strong sense of self-worth self and satisfaction. Policies like HRNAs are not just punitive, they're downright lazy. Telling young people, particularly the young people of color, this school-blind hiring purports to benefit, that academic prestige doesn't matter literally reinforces the worst stereotypes of minority cultures. It says academic prestige doesn't matter to them. And that's where I wanted to point out, so it combines with what you were saying, mm. the author who he says he is African-American and he says, how dare they do this whole like, oh, we assume as a company that if you're putting on your college that you must be, you know, uh, above us elite and you uh, what they're basically saying is we're, you're you're white is they're trying to say that if you put your college <laughs> like the college you went to on your resume it means you're white because otherwise it's just you wouldn't be going to college if you were black that's what oh, he's trying to lean into sense. Th this uh, he's saying like they're making it sound like i can't get into college and so okay. it's not fair to me so i shouldn't list the college even though clearly your race has nothing to do with the fact if you can get into college right. and do well at college and come out with a degree and then get a good job. These I get it. woke companies are trying to that make it seem like, oh, well, we got to be fair and racial equity. So right. we, we're just going to not have anyone put their degree or where they went specifically. I, I can understand their thinking. <sighs> anyway. Now, which is frightening. Yes, it's quite frightening, but hey, we got more because when we come back, it was just discovered that a controversial figure in the Biden administration Anywho, who oversaw our country's nuclear program and Yikes. recently resigned because 
he likes to steal luggage, was one of the men who crafted a national school policy that keeps parents in the dark about gender transition for children. That's next. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. If you've been paying attention to the news, you may remember Sam Brinton, who is the non-binary former federal government official who decided that stealing people's luggage was cool or something. So he's now facing significant prison time. But before this, I mean, we got to take it back a step. Before that, he also played a key role in developing a model school policy adopted in multiple states that instructs school districts to keep unaffirming parents. That's the new buzzword, unaffirming parents. So parents who say they had a boy. Oh, they're the bad parents. And they have a boy. Right. They are now considered to be unaffirming parents. So if your son is a boy and says he's a girl, but you're saying you're a boy, then you are an unaffirming parent. Uh, Brinton was part of this whole policy that came to be keeping parents in the dark about a potentially suicidal child's gender identity or sexual orientation. So all of a sudden you have a child in the school or whatever who may be suicidal and let's just say on one hand you have a student who is LGBTQIA, the whole alphabet identifies as such, wants to change gender. Mm -hmm. And over here you have that student being suicidal and it kind of all goes together as we've seen by evidence, Brinton came up with and participated in a program to keep mom and dad in the dark about it. And so basically, again, as you saw in the imagery, Brinton himself is a biological male. He gained notoriety for being one of the U.S. government's first non-binary officials. And then he was recently fired from the Office of Nuclear Energy, which is an agency of the Department of Energy. And it was because he decided to steal luggage, not just once, even though he said, oops, I didn't know it was mine. Then he did it again, and he, keeps, he got caught stealing people's luggage. Again, multiple occasions. And so he his, was fired. Okay. So before he got to that level, he, his role was being in charge of advocacy in government affairs at the LGBTQ Youth Suicide Prevention Nonprofit called the Trevor Project. All right. He helped craft what they called the Model School District Policy on Suicide Prevention. This was in 2019, um, and it was along with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the American School Counselor Association, and the National Association of School Psychologists. Okay, all of that is to say he was cheering right along when they said it's imperative, imperative for school suicide prevention policies to be LGBTQ competent. In addition, our research shows that more than half of LGBTQ youth are not out to a single, or not out, like not, they haven't said you they're mean LGBTQ, out of the closet, out of the closet oh, as okay. we usually would say. Half of the LGBTQ youth are not out to a single adult in school. These policies show LGBTQ youth, out or not, <laughs> that their school is a safe place for them to learn and that school staff are prepared to help them in times of crisis. Question. When we talk about these safe spaces 
and how schools should be safe spaces and how teachers have to have logos and whatever saying that they are a safe space. Identification Identification, pins. all their badges and pins and, and whatnot. Jeez. When, I want to know, I still haven't found the answer, when did that change? When did it become okay for an adult to need this kind of like reassurance that I'm a good adult because I say I'm a safe place for a student to come? Shouldn't all students be a safe be safe in yes. anyone's classroom it's only when we started talking about sexuality which again why are we talking about this in school it's when did that yeah. exactly change i haven't pinpointed it out it was just this kind of like yeah it's been a devolution. slide there's a slide down that all of a sudden it became more and more and i think yeah. these teachers get more and more pressured but every place in school should be safe because you're there to learn to For, read to write yeah to do math to understand the world around us, not to talk about our sexuality. Well, that's not what many on the left True. think, but we think, yeah, it should be a place of education and it should be obviously safe. I mean, whoever would say, I'm not for safe schools. I mean, I, I, I haven't heard anybody say that, but I think it changed when they, when I mean they, uh, the leftists, the uh, bureaucrat, the educrats, and those who would be uh, promoting the woke ideology, they wanted to divide children. They want to divide people into groups. This is how you conquer. You divide first, you get people pitted against one another, and this is what they've done for decades now, to the point where a teacher has to has a, have a pin to mm -hmm. say, I'm safe to talk to your group of people, to your category. But here's the problem we got away from, and I'm back to this, the safety issue, we got away from treating people as equal human beings. And in, in the image of God, every human being has value. Every human being is created in God's image and has value and are unique. And we stopped looking at every child as equal. Now you separate them, you put them into categories, and this student's depression or suicidal tendencies is much more severe than this student's depression. No, no, they should all be treated equally. So bullying is bullying. And, and so we've gotten, you're right, we've gotten way out of hand, but I don't know when, I can't pinpoint a time when the slide began either. I, the slide's been happening, but I think the more I think about it, when you, once you mention bullying, I think it's once we put in this whole anti-bullying nonsense, and I say it's nonsense because it's created more bullying. Like, you've done exactly the opposite of what you intended to do. Exactly. But we could go on. Yes. Hey, it's just the first it episode of the year. We have created a lot more, more to talk about. <laughs> it created more bullying. It did. Anti-bullying is creating more and, bullying. And speaking of one of the most bullying of bullies, the most largest villains of all the land, we have one of the most famous villains uh -oh. in all of the DC comics. Surely you jest. Oh, he's got a new storyline. When he's not fighting Batman... He's giving birth what? to his own son. Who am I talking about? Hmm? We're talking about it next. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready.
Well, um, there is this thing happening where it's really fa fascinating that some businesses, organizations, corporations um, don't evidently care about making money anymore. Oh, well, that's, and a, that's a new business model, isn't it? A new business, new business model. model. And because ideology trumps sanity, DC Comics is one of those. That's the headline right there. What is it? DC releases comic with pregnant Joker. Did you catch that, Shirley, you jest in the last... Yes. Uh, anyway. Oh, you bet I did. So what happened with the Joker? He, he gave birth to a son? Wait, what? What? A son? I'm, 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 the Joker gave... This, this is a joke. <laughs> this, this, interesting it's that not, we're, we're not too far removed from celebrating Christmas when God, through Mary, gave birth to a son. Now that's the unrealistic, but this, so now this surely is realistic. So now it's the Joker. And um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you, it's a head scratcher. But then again, look what Disney has done over the last couple decades. So it makes sense. Um, What's happening is the storyline appeared as a backup feature in the fourth book in the series, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. <gasps> it appears that the Joker was impregnated by a nemesis. Oh. Who he became enamored with, uh, the female magician Zatanna. Never heard sure. of Sure. Never heard of it. Zatanna. Mm -hmm. I remember Santana <laughs> in the 1960s, but or 70s. I'm dating myself. But she curses the Joker, proclaiming that no one else could have his baby. Okay. As she knocks him into a mud puddle, while Zatanna, <laughs> Zatanna okay. intended for the spell to ensure that he never had children, it inadvertently impregnated the Joker. Wow, that's. This is. I mean, that's a storyline right there. Yeah, uh, they had to many, be on drugs. How many too. drugs were involved? Yeah, in how many the drugs were involved in writing making this? of this comic? Yeah, I would say like, I, this is like a Babylon Bee. Like this would be perfect if this was a Babylon you Bee headline yeah. because yeah. it's a joke, <laughs> but it's not because these people are serious in their own minds. But. Um, <sighs> I, I have no comments well, on this well, other than well, to say I'm not watching Batman. Well, I think your comment was perfect so, that, you, that if you weren't paying attention to the details, you would think it's Babylon B. I would think You it think would. it's satire. Yeah. Why would DC Comics do this? Um, anyway, from what I know, no children were harmed in the wrecking of a villain, one of Bat Batman's, Batman's villains. Yeah. Batman's villains. All right. Well, if you are a fan of the show, please uh, do your whole thing here like comment share this if you're watching <laughs> us on the social media and hey thank you everyone out there we just passed 230,000 followers on our freedom project facebook page thank you thank you and did i mention thank you for spreading the word awesome that's at uh, freedom project usa on facebook if you want to you know give that a quick little, little follow do hit that thumbs up button uh, like us that'd be that'd be mighty kind of you now for David and myself, thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting what we do. Until next time, stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel. Hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo. Makeup and hair by Katie Scholl. Graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project media app. Copyright 2023.